welcome to Army of Crime, the internet's first and only podcast. I am Dustin, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt. Matt, we, you and I both recently read, for me it was a reread, the comic book series entitled Sunny, which is was serialized in Japan and is collected in six volumes here in uh, English translations. It's by Teo Matsumoto, and it is about a group of children who live at sort of like an orphanage or a group home, and they like to play in a, uh, a car that doesn't run anymore that's like sits outside the home, and the car is a Sunny, which is where the title of the uh, comic comes from. It's sort of a slice of life story about this group of children. So in your general thoughts, Matt, and you had not read this series before, what did you think of Teo Matsumoto's Sunny? So I really liked it. And we were just talking about this a little. The, you know, in America, we it's a lot of superheroes. When you get to comics, it's not all superheroes, but it's it's a lot of superheroes. And it's kind of refreshing. It's it's like a come I mean, it is a coming of age, it's a coming of age story um about like an orphanage and like you said it's kind of a slice of life uh it paints a very rich emotional texture from that and it gives you a lot of these interesting little vignettes into the the lives of the different kids and it creates this whole like little universe that they live in this whole little inhabited world and it talks a lot about i mean there's a lot of japanese stuff in there like um, I'm sure there's stuff that I wasn't catching necessarily because it, it actually has like the footnotes to explain some of the cultural references. But yeah, you know, I, it's set in, I believe it's set in either the late 70s or early 80s. And there's a lot of uh, Japanese popular culture that like these kids, you know, talk about and reference and like watch on TV. Yeah. And it, I really liked it though. I, I think it does a great job of capturing this kind of very particular emotion of like being being a kid and feeling like you're kind of stranded in the world yeah and i think that's something everyone can relate to uh obviously even if you're not an orphan i think you could probably relate to that to some degree yeah and just to get into a little more it's the series is in 37 chapters and each chapter is kind of starring like a different um kid basically i mean they do like then double back at some point but you have they vary kind of in age like you have these two uh like younger brothers uh junsuki and shosuki who are there and junsuki is on one of the covers and he always seems to have a runny nose and him and his brother like collect clovers to bring to their mom because the reason why they're in this home is because um, of their mom is like sick and in the hospital. Um, and then it kind of goes up to like, there's some teenagers um, who are there, like uh, Kenji, who has like a paper route and is kind of trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. And then there's the, the people who own it and like run it. And it kind of goes into, you know, like their lives too and their, their history with this organization. So, and yeah, I think you're right in that it's, um, it's at like a very emotionally rich place and what's so wonderful about it is 
well, there's lots of things that are wonderful about it, but I think it's it's so often just like a very beautiful comic, and I love the way that Teo Matsumoto kind of has this sort of like loose, sketchy line that he uses uh, to draw, which is like very fitting, I think, for this kind of story. And I love like the hints of, I believe it's like watercolor, where like some of the characters, like uh, the littler kids, like Jinsuki and Shosuki, their hair is always drawn as like sort of like a watercolor blob. Do you know what I mean? And there's like some other instances where those kind of like touches are used and just the way it'll like freely um, kind of like dip in and out of like these like kids, like interior lives and like fantasy world. Right. um, Where you'll like turn the page and it'll be like a hundred feet tall. Yeah. And there's quite a few. And I also really love the way that um, he draws the uh, animals like there's a dog that they have who's like extremely cute um and like several cats that are also uh extremely adorable and there's like a pet frog but you know i think ultimately the way it gets its power there's like a few particular characters like sai and haruo who like keep trying to like run away uh from this home that i think are probably the like high points emotionally of the story um what did you have any um and you know so much of it is like slice of life is kind of how i describe it and there's like so many so much of it it like ends like each chapter will end just on these like little grace notes of someone just like staring out over the city or of you know the rain gently coming down and stuff like that um, did you have any favorite moments or any favorite characters? Did you also think that the dog was very cute? The, the dog is cute. I always like when the kids are in the car and they're imagining like driving through the sky and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the closest thing to a main character is probably uh, Haruo. Yeah. Ha- Haruo. Um, and I think one of the things that he actually does very well and that I didn't realize he was even doing at first is he is telling kind of a, a broader narrative but it's very loosely sketched and it, it feels more like real life in that way in that it's not like a storyline that's like going through plot points. You know, it feels like you're watching life unfold and it, it sort of resists an attempt at like a clean like story arcs, but there kind of is an overall, a bit of an overall story arc. Yeah, but, but, there it, is. but, it, but it feels, it like feels natural, you know, like it feels true to like how life kind of evolves over time. And he actually intentionally skips over parts that could be almost like climaxes and or, or like uh, like kind of big scenes, almost like in, intentionally making certain parts of it anticlimactic to keep the same emotional tone. Yeah. And yeah, even though it is like a slice of life story, the, there is like an overall kind of storyline that develops with some of the kids that, but it, 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 so it's not just like completely aimless, I guess, but it, it kind of gets there in sort of like a, you know, wonderfully circuitous way. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't, there are some like big, like blow up dramatic moments, but it also is, it's largely concerned with just like, you know, smaller moments, which I think is 
it is part of why it's so wonderful. Yeah, and you really get to feel like the emotional. There's a kind of emotional depth that you then get with the kids because they're they're all caught in this very sort of tug of war emotionally um, because they all want to go back to their families in some kind of way, but they also, I mean, I think they're all they're all smart enough that on some level I think they recognize that that's not really probably going to happen to some degree you know what i mean like like they want to go back to their kids to their to their old lives but you know no one no one can go back to their old life right we're all just hurtling into the future and they they try and deal with the complex emotions of like being from an orphanage so they're afraid people are going to look down on them so then they have like a chip on their shoulder but they also just want to be normal kids and all those kind of pieces are kind of jumping around yeah so Matt, being that you are the father of two children, did you find that that, you know, as a father reading this, did that give you any extra? You know, what actually made me think more is the fact that I am also a teacher, Um, you know, and I've had like students in class that live in like group homes um, or have been to 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 uh, juvenile. And that's kind of what some of these kids are going through is that that kind of stuff. And it's helpful to remember that like a lot of people we see that are very, you know, they have a lot of issues or might be kind of destructive or something. I mean, this is the kind of background that a lot of those people probably have. And because those are the characters, you know, you have a lot of empathy for them and you kind of see that. Yeah. Like, so that was actually the part of, of my life that I tied into. It was more just being a teacher because like, like Haruo, um, is the kid that's always skipping school and like getting in trouble and stuff. And as a teacher, you know, you have kids like that and you have to remind yourself that, you know, they're just trying to like figure out their path in the world. And it's very difficult for them. You know, you have to remember that. Yeah. He's kind of like the, the loudmouth kid who's always like getting into trouble. And it's actually a little while into the story um, where you get, this moment where he goes to like visit his mom in the city and then it all kind of like clicks into place. And I'm not sure if this is like a specific thing, like this was one thing that was kind of surprising to me and that he was one of these kids who his, uh, I mean, his dad, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, his dad was basically just like a drunk who was kind of useless, but his mom seemed like she, mainly just like didn't want to be a full-time parent and that was why he was in this home and i'm not sure is that like is that more of a thing than i would realize is that like a time period thing of like the 70s or 80s or is that like a japan thing you know that's a good question i don't have a good answer i have had a student um that i had in class whose parents like surrendered their parental rights and then, and then and then they had to find somewhere to live. So I mean, it happens. Yeah, I suppose so. I, but I then, couldn't, like, I couldn't you... tell you, you know, statistics on it. But certainly, it's a thing that happens for various reasons. I'm sure um, his mother had probably some un- unresolved mental health issues of her own. Yeah, that's very likely. And I mean, when you see him go visit his mom, and she like asks him to call her like by her first name instead of like calling her mom. Like, those little moments are just, like, so, you know, heartbreaking. And then you kind of see why 
like him and then there's this other kid Sai, who's like the quiet one who always wears like a baseball cap um multiple times try to like run away from the home which like even though you're kind of like rooting for them you know that this is and it's like totally understandable it's like the kind of you know child logic of dealing with these larger problems because it doesn't really make sense but you know like there's no way that that's actually going to like work out from them for them even though you can totally understand why they would want to do it um right and, think- and the story treats that very fairly because it gives it to you it gives you those kinds of things from the kids perspectives and it doesn't sugarcoat it but it also doesn't you know he, he it's a very fine line of like you don't lay it it really doesn't like lay it on too thick where it becomes like melodrama you know it, it's it's like a very particular tone where it is heartbreaking but there's always this like touch of like these kids are just like having little adventures day by day. Yeah, because even one of them, he they while they're like hiding in the back of a semi truck, I think at some point one of them remarks about how this is like one of the best adventures that they've had or something. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, it does show you the fact that they get into trouble and how it like worries everyone's sick. But I think some of the, the stories with like Sai were one of my some of my favorites where he's always like walking the dog and he has this like a uh, little girlfriend who like lives nearby and they like meet at the park and there's just like this totally heartrending story of him keep keeping like waiting for a letter from his mom that never comes and everyone's always asking him about it and finally he just like tells people that he did get one even though he like really didn't, but it really uh, it hits you right where you live. Yeah, yeah. It's if you, your heart breaks for the kids, and you want them, you want them to have their like little adventures. Right. And, to get into trouble, sort of. Yeah, and it makes you feel like when they have the car and they're like imagining the car flying through the air, like you you get it. You're like yes, yes. If if only you could fly away in the car. If only that was how life worked. He does thank, uh, with thanks to the Nissan Motor Company. Oh, really? He's the first people like thanked in the back. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think Sunny is good. I would recommend it to basically anyone. Actually, my wife read part of it, uh, and she's a teacher and she liked it too. It's, um, it's really good. I mean, it has a real kind of emotional, like I was saying, like kind of an emotional heft to it but not in like a melodramatic way it's a it's a yeah very, i mean it's it's, it's a very yeah. good like tone you know because it's never like too heavy either as you're right through it. it's not trying to like make you depressed you know because that's the thing some you know you know where you're trying to like uh like beat down the um right it's not like misery porn right right it's not miserable it's 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 serious and the kids are going through some stuff and you feel bad for them, you know, but yeah, they have their little kid adventures and stuff. Um, and it, it, you know, what it does that's interesting is um, it, it's a coming of age story. And oftentimes you have coming of age stories that are very clearly written from the perspective of like adults, right? Like the coming of age story is something in some cases is something that an adult creates for other adults to read. And yeah. And I feel like in some way, I mean, I have no, I mean, I don't know. I can't, 
I, I didn't do like a focus group or something, but it kind of feels like it captures more of like an actual child's like thought processes in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it's not one of like a story that's sort of full of kind of nostalgia or like a rose colored glasses of like, right, you know. like, like there's this whole, <laughs> there's a whole time period where there's like movies in the late 80s where they're like, like one summer I had an adventure and then there's yeah. like flashbacks it, and it's like not that where it's like a bunch of adults sitting around talking about how cool it was when they were kids. It it, it captures, I think, something of, of what being like a teenager is like. So other than things that we mentioned already, did you have any other favorite moments from this story? I think that we're both in agreement that this comic book is extremely good and that everyone should read it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I liked, so there's one, like some of the interesting little like emotional things it captures is, yeah, so there's the story where Magumo, um, she goes to her friend's house and there's this whole like interplay because her friend at the orphanage is is sort of resentful of the fact that she has friends outside of the orphanage and is like, well, you shouldn't be with them because they're going to look down on you, but they really don't. You know, but she also like makes up this story about like this teacup and how it's like super important or her mom had the same one. And then they so then they like give it to her, but she doesn't really know what to do with it because she's like, I don't really know why I said that. Um, and then I think she just like uh, puts it in a canal or something like like she ends up with this random object. Um, and you can tell she's kind of like grappling with the emotions of what's happening here. Um and she's one where I believe her parents are actually just passed away. Yeah, her which is mom a different kind of emotional thing because many of them are, of course, have their parents essentially drop them off there. So I, I liked her story. Um, I like obviously Haruo is a good character, um, and he's one where they talk about how he got dropped off when he was like in the first grade, and it was yeah. like very, and it was like very traumatic and stuff. Right. Um, and yes, uh, Sai say Sai. Um, I like him a lot as a character. Um, I also like the story where there's like this local, there's like a local crazy person. Oh yeah, the PP man. <laughs> yeah, not not a super great nickname. Um, and, and then um, where one of the the kids at the orphanage, it's not real clear. He might actually be more of like adult age or like young adult age. Um, but he's just always wearing like gym shorts around, um, and he really doesn't talk much. And he makes like a a giant rice ball. Oh and, yeah, and yeah. leaves it at the burnt out shack of the of like this local like the local crazy person um that everyone kind of makes fun of as like a little tribute between two people who really don't have anyone else yeah taro is always um he seems like he's older and is perhaps you know Has developmentally an... disabled in some way um yeah yeah and, so he's just kind of living there he's kind of living there forever and he's just you know he's he's a he doesn't say much. He just kind of hangs out outside. In, in, he's always wearing like sh swim shorts or gym shorts or something. And he's and he often sings the "Row, row your boat" song. Yeah, I like that where he leaves the the rice ball as a tribute to. Yeah, it's kind of a thing that is like a stock character, and and I feel like kids things like the local the local crazy person. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great story too. I really like when uh, Jensuki and Shosuki are hanging out at the mall. And sort of like getting into trouble, and then um, the, the it's like you they keep telling people that they're like waiting to see their mom, and this is before you really know what the story is with their mom. But then it actually like at the end you realize that this is not actually just some like story that they made up, and then they go 
to like see her and she's like waiting in the hospital yeah, and I actually did think that they were just making that up. I like the part where he's like really sick and he's like kind of hallucinating and he says something like me and the like the ten centimeter me is, is drinking the soup or something. And it shows yeah. a cart, like a little cartoon blow up version of like like a little cartoon of him as right. like a little little character. And that's the one where he's also imagining that he's a hundred feet tall at the end. Right, because he asked someone if you'd rather be like ten centimeters tall or like 30 or, meters tall or whatever it is yeah yeah it's a really strong work and it really i think is, is kind of uh it like as far as like coming of age story it kind of avoids what what i feel like and you know i'm just some guy but what i feel like is the possible pitfalls of coming of age stories i think it kind of avoids all of that and just manages to just be like legitimately it's heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time that's a good way of putting it yeah and i think the ending too which not to, i mean it's not like the kind of ending you can really spoil um, right because it, it it intentionally um manages to not really have like this like like a like a explicit a to b to c to d kind of narrative which is i think ultimately to its benefit uh but yeah it, it does have an ending yeah i mean it kind of comes to a beautiful place to leave the story it, it really is a very perfect ending, too. Yeah, it really kind of wraps it up. And I remember thinking that while reading it. I'm like, is this going to wrap up? Or is it just going to be a thing that, like, stops at some point? And, you know, that could work, too, in some ways. But it, it, it really does come together. It, like, kind of wraps it all up and ties it in a bow for you at the end. Um, so I actually, my first thought after finishing it was like, you know, I'd like to read this again someday. Yeah, it is. Uh, this was my second time reading it. And it's probably even better the second time because... There is kind of a lot of characters and a lot of like pop culture references thrown in that you obviously don't get if you weren't alive in like the late seventies in Japan. So it it definitely like flows a lot better. Or I mean, it's it, it was great the first time, but it's uh, also great the second time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah. I also really love the story with uh, there's a uh, Kiko, who's like one of the little girls there, who is sort of like the mischievous one. Yeah, she has kind of like the bad attitude. But then, of course, there's a, there's a great story where, starring her, where she gets, like, she's going to go back to, like, live with her mom. And she, like, gives away her favorite toy to one of her friends. And this whole story is just, like, um, like, I'm looking at a page right now where she's, like, talking to a crow. And it's, like, really cute the way she's, like, strutting around and just, like, um, overjoyed because she gets to like go home and live with her mom and then yeah. of course like as you're reading it you're like um, this is probably not going to like turn out well is it and of course it doesn't because when she gets there then she ends up like coming back right afterwards which is but again it like finds a beautiful way to like end it without it like being too, too you heavy. know too heavy or like too heartbreaking yeah like she gets back and she just talks about how her her mom's new boyfriend was a. I think she says that he was a perv. Yeah, he was uh, a total perv. Yeah, which isn't great. Uh, you could expand on that in some with her, you know. But they don't. They don't expand on it. They leave it at that. Right, and then she goes back with her friend, and she's uh, napping under this like giant like blanket thing that they sit under. Yeah. Well, other than. I mean, other than Sunny, I don't know. I feel like it's it's hard I, when you have something that's just kind of like good, and you're like, yeah, it's 
it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So other like, than like just like like going back and forth about how great uh, Sunny is, I mean, we're both in agreement that this comic is great and is full yeah. of uh, tiny little beautiful moments with all of these like wonderful heartbreaking characters. So that if yeah. you are a person who likes to read comic books, you owe it to yourself to find Sunny and read it. For sure. So Matt, do you read any other good comic books lately? Um, I just moved, so I am still uh, piled under stuff. Um, so I don't have any anything else uh, really going right now. Uh, my recommendation will be the book "The Methods of Freedom," the collection of Erica Malatesta. I guess because that's what I'm reading right now. Oh yeah, Matt, and what's that? Uh, that's a collection of the writings of Italian anarchist um, Malatesta. Uh, who lived all the way up till, um, you know, he saw the rise of fascism. And, like, I think he lived all the way until, like, the 1930s. Um, so he has a pretty wide perspective, too. And it collects just, like, a lifetime of his writings. And some of them are, like, real short. So you can just read it for, like, 10 minutes. You know, he's got little little essays and stuff. That's kind of actually what I'm reading now. Um, all my comics, we just moved. So all my comics are, like, a lot of stuff is very inaccessible right now. If you If you see what I'm saying. I think I get what you mean. Yeah. I actually, you had gifted me a copy of this book and I have started reading it as well. So it is uh, pretty interesting. Not that I'm super into, like I had never heard of this guy before, which doesn't really mean anything because, you know, not that I've ever, that I've like heard of everyone, but. Yeah, you know, and I, I had heard the name before, but I think it's um, more of it's getting translated into English. So I, I think he's getting a little little bit more name recognition amongst certain people. But I think a lot of it wasn't really in English before. Okay. That makes sense. Just like our friend uh, Teo Matsumoto. Yeah. Like he's uh, getting, there was, um, we were talking about this before the podcast, but he had a really highly acclaimed ping pong series he's written actually i mean he's done quite a few different comic books like one of his big ones which i haven't read yet is called i think it's like tekken concrete is more of like a sci-fi adventure story that has a really highly acclaimed uh film adaptation animated film adaptation which i have seen the film the film is really good um but he's had like a pretty wide variety of things that he's done but you know, it's like the perspective of that is shaped by what's available in English. So, right. Uh, but his um, having more and more stuff available in English. Um, so, as far as comic books, I think the best thing, other thing, other than uh, Sunny that I've read recently is I read through the entirety of uh, Charlie's War, which is a World War One uh, comic strip published in the UK uh, War comic magazine battle i think or maybe it was one of the other ones maybe it's not battle but regardless it's a uh you can buy three big fat collections of it that collect the whole series and it's a world war one like i said of like a tommy in world war one and it's wonderfully drawn by excuse me joe calcone who did a number of great war comics and is also well known for doing a English football comic for many years. Um, but it's it's a beautiful comic that's really I think gets into it has a very like anti-war kind of uh, perspective as it like puts you into like the 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 trenches and like all of the horrible stuff that goes on in the it gets a little like veers a little bit into the like evil 
sneering aristocratic officers, but you know, it's like all that kind of stuff, which seems over the top is mostly like, you know, fairly well sourced as like horrible things that actually happened. Um, so Charlie's War is a, another uh, fantastic uh, comic book series that is a, a uh, war strip by Pat Mills and Joe Calcone. And that's another thing we don't have a, as much of in America is like the war comics. Yeah, it's a much bigger thing in the UK. Obviously, the UK has fought in many wars, and they're very proud of their, you know, winning World War One and Two. So, like culturally, that's like a big thing. Um, but Charlie's War kind of like very intentionally like pokes holes in that by showing yeah. like not only the pointlessness of the war, but like the callousness of the English commanders. And then Charlie, at the very end, after World War One, Charlie gets sent into Russia to fight against the Bolsheviks, which, of course, is a real thing that happened. That, right. You know, they, they don't talk about generally as much anymore. So uh, anything else out there, Matt, or is this an episode of Army of Crime? I think that's probably an episode. We are on Twitter at I'm at Army of Crime. Dustin is at Dustin forty four 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 four. The website is armyofcrime.com. You know, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah, smash that subscribe button. You gotta smash that thing as hard as you can. Just crush it. Crush the subscribe button into powder. Go five stars, five hundred stars. Give it a million stars. Just yeah, just leave a hundred thousand comments. Right novels of comments just yeah buckets of stars as always folks stay alive out there yeah for sure or not it's up to you my my admittedly limited experience in in cryptocurrency is shaping up as if I was some kind of secret genius.